It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Reds country? This is your host, Jeff Carr. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this Friday episode, this Phone It In Friday. Today on the podcast, I've got an awesome conversation coming up for you between me and Chad Dotson, the man who created Red Leg Nation and hosts the Red Leg Nation podcast, also the author of the awesome, very, very, very awesome Reds book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. I implore you, if you have not seen it, to check it out. Buy it now. I think it's at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all those wonderful places that you can buy a book. Definitely get your hands on that if you don't already have it. Before we get into the interview, I just want to remind you, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you would, I'd appreciate you leaving me a five-star review there on whatever service that you use. And, you know, if you don't have a five-star review, then keep it to yourself. But that's just between us. Anyways, lots to get to with Chad here, so we're going to jump right into the interview. Hope you enjoy phoning in Friday with the world's most dangerous podcast host, Chad Dotson. Uh, first question, what feelings come to mind when I say these four letters? UMBC. Oh, man. We're really going to lead with this? Oh, you hurt me, man. You're killing me. Oh, I mean, I mean it all lighthearted. <laughs> I know, I know. I've, I've gotten to the point where, you know, um, I, well, I decided the night that, and for those of you, you know, I'm a I'm a Virginia graduate and a crazy Virginia sports fan. And when the night they lost to UMBC uh, last year, I just decided if I don't if I don't choose to laugh about this from now on, it's going to kill me because I know I'm going to be hearing those letters for the rest of my life. So I just decided that we got to laugh about it. It happened. What are you going to do? They played a great game and. Uh, Virginia's back uh, back again this year for more, I hope. There was one year where I was traveling with a college basketball team. Uh, it was Tennessee State. And oh. they went to Virginia for a game. And Virginia held them to the lowest point total since the three-point line was invented. So that was that was fun <laughs> to write about for sure. Yeah, that sounds like Virginia. That's what they do. They, they play some defense. So, But I bet we're not here to talk about college basketball. Yeah, no, that was uh, just a lean in. I was watching Georgetown and Xavier for a minute, but um, really uh, one of the big topics I want to talk about tonight is um, a discussion when it comes to the season, spring training, and and all that good stuff. The fifth starter, do you think Anthony DiSclefani or Tyler Malley should be the fifth starter? Well, it's a a little bit of a, a, a question that needs some some unpacking because I think either one could be a really good fifth starter. And because I think that if the Reds have four starters better than, than those guys, we're in good shape, you know, um, I think if I'm going into it, I probably lean towards these Clefani in terms of just having the advantage early on. But what we're presuming here is that both these guys are healthy and you can never presume that with Anthony DiSclefani. And, uh, you know, if he's healthy because he has performed on the big league level before, I probably give him a little bit of an edge. But I'm such a fan of Tyler Malley. I love this kid. And I think he's going to be a, a, just an outstanding starting pitcher for years and years and years. So, you know, I, whichever way the Reds went on that decision, I could I could be fine with it. But uh, I probably lean this this Clefani, but it's it's close because I just think Malley's got a chance of being. I think his upside is as a number two starter eventually. Frankly, 
I agree with you on the Reds are in a good position if this is a debate because that, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, that means we're talking about Dallas Keuchel or somebody like that is uh, at the top of the rotation. But um, the toughest part about that is the upside of Tyler Malley. It's like you'd hate to see him not getting every, you know, regular starts with the stuff that he has. But I I do agree with you, and I, I've seen I've had some discussions with folks on Twitter about this. When you look at what both pitchers have done up to this point, it's not that Anthony DiSclefani is you know bad, but we're talking about potential against uh, where DiSclefani is right now, and it's hard to gauge those two. So I agree with you that it's a lot of unpacking with that question, and hopefully there'll be a little bit more specifics here come spring training time. Well, the, the other the other side of that is that the Reds are going to need more than five pitchers this year. You know, uh, there are always injuries uh, from someone in the rotation. So both of those guys could get 20, 25 starts. And I think, you know, if they're both healthy enough to get that many starts, again, it, it's, that's not necessarily a bad situation either if somebody gets hurt and you got to bump one or the other. But, uh, you know, Tyler Malley's just going to turn 23, I think, this year. And, you know, um, or just turned 23. And uh, if if he starts the year in AAA because uh, he gets beaten out by Disclafani in the spring because uh, Disclafani is healthy, I don't know. I just I have a hard time getting uh, too frustrated with that. But I do think Malley needs to be absolutely right in the sort of the not the centerpiece necessarily, but right in the middle of the Reds' plans for the next uh, four or five years. And he actually kind of leaned into my next uh, question, next thought that I had. Something that I presented on yesterday's podcast, and the, the Rays really pioneered the whole opener philosophy last year with Sergio Romo. Now, I know that they did it more out of necessity because they didn't feel like they had enough starters, but what do you think about the Reds maybe employing a sort of opener philosophy as a way to give the rotation sort of a, a break? Well, the first thing they'll have to do is to get the, get the buy-in from some of these guys like these Scalfani and Molly who might be uh... – and maybe even guys like Rosel Iglesias, who who may be a part of that. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for anything that the Reds can do that will uh, is creative or thinking outside of the box or will help them perform better. If you can get better pitching out of three relievers or whatever, um, or you know, uh, just letting a guy, guys face the, the lineup no more than two times through the lineup, because the numbers show the third time through the lineup, almost every pitcher except for the Clayton Kershaws of the world right. are drastically worse that third time through the lineup. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I, I'm really hopeful, uh, you know, with the new pitching coach, new manager, that the Reds are going to be uh, willing to be more creative than they have been in the past. And that's something really to watch early in the year. And I'm looking forward to hearing, because I'm sure that question is going to be asked of David Bell. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing, you know, what, what his thoughts are on. He's already said he wants to uh, be open to everything, but what's it, what's it look like when we actually get uh, to putting names in the lineup, you know, um, a lot to look forward to this spring. Absolutely. And thinking of the opener and just the whole idea that we're even talking about this, it feels like the last couple of years that maybe if we had an out-of-the-box idea, there was like this caveat with, well, this is a cool idea, but the Reds are totally not even going to do that. But with David Bell and Derek Johnson and the things that they've been saying in their interviews, it really does seem like they are what, – what they're saying, it feels like they're going to practice what they preach basically. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I don't think it's unfair to say that the Reds have been for a while sort of old school, and they would waited too long to think outside the box. But, but it is what it is at this point. 
And so that the, we now finally have a, a group that I believe are going to be open-minded and willing to try everything they can to make this a better team and not have, have go into a season with these sort of uh, antiquated notions about what roles players have to play. And maybe we'll be – Maybe we'll get into the season and we'll realize, oh, you know, here's the new guy, same as the old guy. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but at the very least, I have some hope that they're going to be open-minded. And uh, hope, to me, is something that's been in short supply lately. If there was something that I was going to ask you, too. I just thought of this one. Uh, Jeff Pickler, game planning coach. What do you think that entails? <laughs> the truth of the matter is I don't really know, but it excites me more than just about anything else they've done this uh uh, you know, since the season ended, just the fact that they have a game planning coach. And to me, that screams, you know, how can we implement some of the advanced analytics and, and all the research that's been done in recent years and some of the proprietary stuff that the Reds have, have done in-house? How can we translate that from the numbers on a sheet to on the field? And the Reds have done a terrible job. And I think that the, they'll tell you, I think Nick Crawl and Dick Williams will both tell you that they've not done as good a job as they could have in the recent past in, uh, in getting that information to the players and, and in letting it, uh, the, the information help dictate how they play on the field. I, I think part of that was uh, the, the past regime, Brian Price, Jim Ruggleman, not interested, not that interested in it. Part of that was the Reds just didn't have in the front office, they didn't have a, a plan in place about how to get that to the, uh, to the field. The fact that David Bell has a, uh, an office, they're in the front office a suite, um, and he's there every day. I think it's just and and they, he has a game planning coach. I mean that's that's a more exciting than uh, than getting Yasiel Puig. Well, maybe not. Take a brief pause in the interview here for a few ads, but don't go anywhere. On today's phone in Friday here on the Locked On Reds podcast, we'll be right back. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate. Boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. We're right back into the thick of the conversation with Chad Dotson from Red Leg Nation Radio, right here on the Locked On Reds podcast. Speaking of Yasiel Puig, and this just, you saying that just popped into my mind, this tweet that I saw. Uh, I don't know if you follow on Twitter the Today in Reds Facebook account. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. I get, I'm telling you, and I, and I got to feel like, I, I almost feel as if it's, um, they're just kind of putting it out there. They don't agree with the comments that they're showing out there, but that's, that just has me almost kind of mad sometimes when I read those. I'm like, why do you think that? But today they were just going off on how Yasiel Puig is a, is a hot-headed guy and how he's a loose cannon and the Reds can't count on him. Uh, tell us why that is just completely false. Well, I mean, it's it's just it's ridiculous, and it really upsets me to see it. But you're right; there's a subset of fans that think like that. What I think about Yasiel Puig is this guy has fun. He loves right. to play baseball. He likes to have fun on the field, and those are the guys that I like to watch. Um, you know, I, I I love Joey Votto, and the fact well, over recent years Joey Votto's been having more fun on the field. But uh, he's sort of what you'd call a, a more professional uh, player 
Um, not to say that Yasiel Puig is not a professional, because I think that's a, a false dichotomy, but uh, I think he's a guy that loves to have fun. I think baseball needs more Yasiel Puigs, not fewer. And you know, every time I see someone criticizing him because of uh, you know uh, his his antics, it really bothers me because that, he's he's what's right about baseball to me. Right, and that's I mean. When you break it down, it's a game that you start playing when you're a kid. And sure, these guys are getting played or paid millions of dollars to play the game, but it's still a game. Like he should be allowed to have fun. Yeah. When did when did fun become uh, outlawed? It's ridiculous. You're right. It's a kids' game that's played by adults. But uh, when when they're having fun out there, it's a lot more fun for me as a as a spectator, frankly. And so, and bring bring it on, Yasiel Puig. Obviously, that trade has been talked about and unpacked to death by, you know, guys like you and me who just talk Reds a whole bunch. Um, kind of thinking bigger picture than just looking at the trade itself, how would you rank that trade um, in, say, the last decade of Reds trades? Is that the best trade that they've made? No trade is uh... – Ever, well, maybe I hope I'm wrong about this. I hope they do uh, conduct a better trade than this. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure that any trade could be better than the trade in which uh, the Reds acquired um, Eugenio Suarez in ex- to the, from the Tigers in exchange for the bloated corpse of Alfredo <laughs> Simon. That's true. I mean, I'm that, about that one. Yeah, that trade is just. I mean, I don't. I don't even know how that even happened. The Reds got a, a, a you know a, a franchise third baseman, a star for. Uh, uh, you know, in the middle of a lineup for years in exchange for a guy who was just done. Um, uh, you know, I, I put the Puig trade, Puig camp, Alex Wood, I put that trade sort of in a similar category to the trade a few years back when the Reds acquired Matt Latos. Uh, they, they gave up a little bit more for uh, for Latos in terms of prospect value. The Reds didn't give up. I didn't feel like a ton in prospect value in this one. Um, nah. And, and, and they got back, you know, a number two starter, which is great. Yeah, this one we got a, a guy who's, you know, Puig is going to be going to be good. I think Alex Wood could be great, uh, even at Great American Ballpark. Uh, the, the only issue, the, the sort of downside of it, is that they only got him for one year. Um, but I, I, I just, I'm, I'm terribly impressed with the trade. I think it's exactly the type of thing the Reds need to be looking to do because it gives them uh, some uh, roster help this year that makes them better, and it gives them flexibility going forward. It's just, it's, it's smart business to me. Absolutely. And kind of like you said, and it's a philosophy that that you've put out there that I totally agree with. Um, and if you guys, those of you listening today, if you don't listen to Red Leg Nation, definitely check it out. Usually released, it's like Friday, isn't it? I remember that. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely listen to Red Leg Nation Radio. If you don't already, you probably did. And I'm, I'm just telling you information you already know, but um, your philosophy of prospects who haven't really passed single A, just, you know, it's nice that they're ranked very high, but so much can happen in between there and the major leagues that you're not that sad if you get rid of them. Yeah, that's that's my philosophy. I mean, sometimes these guys are going to end up being great players. That's what happens. Great players come through single A often. But I'm never going to get upset about the Reds trading a guy who's never played above, above A ball. Because I just feel like at that time it's such a crapshoot in a lot of ways. So much can happen, but by the time they get to the the big leagues, that you're you're getting a really good return on your investment. To me, you know, Jeter Downs they traded in the Dodgers trade. He could end up being great. Josiah Gray, I saw, saw him pitch this year in rookie ball, and man, he really impressed me. But you know, 
it's a long time before they get to the big leagues. There are injuries. There are people just don't develop. Um, I don't know. I think it's a good gamble to take even for guys that you've only got one year of team control on. This reminds me of a story, and this will kind of lead us into our last bit that I want to talk about. Um, I used to live down in Huntsville, Alabama for a few years, and this was back whenever the Brewers had a double-A team there called the Huntsville Stars, which a one Scooter Jeanette was at second baseman for. Ah. I also saw the Pensacola Blue Wahoos and a second baseman by the name of Billy Hamilton come through there. And I had never been more impressed by watching a guy play baseball because he beat, he hit a, I remember very vividly, he hit a ground ball to second base, Scooter Jeanette, and he beat the throw to first. And I was like, he's going to be so phenomenal. And, and now we're sitting here and he's a Kansas city Royal and just, and I know that you were a big fan of Billy Hamilton as well. Just, kind of put into perspective the thoughts that you had with him getting non-tendered back in December and just, you know, it, was he one of the bigger disappointments of the Reds? Uh, obviously, I, I preface this by saying that, you know, if you listen to, to, to my podcast, uh, I am, always have been a big Billy Hamilton fan just because when he's doing the things he does well, he, there's nobody more exciting to watch. Right. Uh, as evidenced by the, the anecdote that you had from when you saw him uh, in double A. <sighs> It was the right thing to do for the Reds. I, you know, I don't begrudge them uh, doing that. I think that it makes sense. I, I can't uh, justify paying him seven million or whatever to do what he does. He's a fourth outfielder, really. And so, uh, but you know, I don't know that I would classify his time as a Red as a disappointment either. Though he provided elite elite defense, you know, Gold Glove finalist uh, for the last uh, three four years. And uh, he provided some value to the team over the years. And so this is a guy who they drafted and actually helped the big league team. Did he help as much as they wanted him to? No, he never learned to hit. But he did help the team in some ways. And so I think they got some value out of that draft pick. And, uh, you know, it's it's a similar situation. When he was an A-ball, everybody thought he was going to be a superstar. He didn't become a superstar, but he did become a, 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 you know, a somewhat valuable player in the big leagues. So... Uh, he was never the guy we hoped he'd be, and I wish him the best of luck uh, in Kansas City. Yeah, me as well. I mean, I, I was hoping that he'd get picked up by a you know, more of a contending team, but I'm I'm glad to see that he's in a situation where he's going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I, I would like to have seen him with a team where he could have been the fourth outfielder and just a crazy late-inning defensive replacement, but uh, also a, a pinch-running uh, specialist in some ways because he could be really exciting in, in the playoffs for a team that utilized him well. Definitely. And one final question for you, and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, I know you're kind of a movie buff. What's the last movie that you saw in theaters? The last movie that I, that I saw in the theaters actually is, and this is going to be strange to some people, but it was uh, Mary Poppins Returns of all things. <laughs> nice. Um, and, and 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 you know what? It was actually pretty good. I you know I rate all the movies I watch on a on a five star uh, scale. I gave it four stars out of five, which is which is not bad. Nice. Uh, not as good as uh, I think I've given one movie a five star rating in the last twelve or last six months at least, and that was Roma from Netflix. That's the one I'd actually recommend. But Mary Poppins Returns was not bad. Well, Chad, I do appreciate your time, sir. I, always a pleasure to get to talk to the most dangerous podcast host in the world. <laughs> well, awesome, uh, great work uh, on the Locked On Reds, and uh, I hope we get to talk often 
over the, uh, especially when the season starts, because it's going to be a fun and interesting season for the Reds, I believe. That'll about do it for us here on another Phone It In Friday on the Locked On Reds podcast. want to thank Chad again for coming on. Had a fun conversation with him. And just like he said, looking forward to many more here on the Locked On Reds podcast. And once again, I appreciate you guys listening today. Thanks again for downloading and listening. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And check us out at LockedOnReds.com as well as your social media outlet of choice i'm on twitter mostly at jeff carr j-e-f-f-f-c-a-r-r but i look forward to talking more baseball with you coming next week you all have a great weekend and thanks for listening to the locked on reds podcast hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today